You. Oh, now. About to witness. The awesome. Crushing might. Of. The U. G. S. Robinson. Show. Stop Yeah, I'm messed up, bro. I'm racked. I'm jacked and racked. The lights all wrong. Craziness. But this is V64. V64. Yeah, my fingertips. Dehydrated. Worked out for an hour. Ran. Trained. After driving all the way back from Fight Seminar Reno. But first, Bob Riley will sing the words that kick it all off from Stigmata's record, Calling of the Just. The song is called Intro, All of Nothing. Still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California. Online as well. You get the whole CD. Yes, it's still on a CD. I know because I sell it to Revelation Records. Buy it. Huntington Beach, California, where they hit your car with a hammer. Bob Riley, as he has since the very beginning, kicks off the words that say it all in regards to the Eugene S. Robinson showstopper. Very well, brother. And sister. Brethren, sistren. I think that's a real word. I took my time, but I could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. All right. Um, so, yeah, the lights are a little screwed up because uh, the wife is a professional photographer and uses the lights for photo shoots. So now I'm left with the, the, the dregs and the smegmas of lights. Um, so I've got a light here. Hey, we used to, with no lights. You should do it from behind the uh, uh, the wheel, uh, the front front wheel. I guess a back wheel. We used to do it from a car, live and in public, if you will, imperiling the lives. Oh, there's little snowballs, imperiling the lives of everybody around. That's what I'm talking about when I say little snowballs. Remember that little dog we used to have? No, little one. That one we used to dye pink. The one that died. Little snowballs. Yeah, that's Eric Bogosian that I keep stealing for that viewer don't i got a camera a, a secondary camera that secondary camera would actually let me take the laptop and put it over here and then hold it so that i get the full blast of light in my face uh roma radar also sent me a secondary camera but it's in the other room and uh i don't have time I'm gonna go see uh, avengers endgame at 7 30 so i gotta put this up in the jjb the jjb we uh, uh, uh is a special treat brought to you courtesy of jordan Burr 
and Ben Askren because it's a BTS tomorrow, Beat the Streets grappling competition with those two guys going against each other. We had a, a Ohio State wrestler in to give us the breakdown of uh, respective wrestling styles. So for those of you BJJ heads, come to the JJB. BJJ on JJB. It was on Jiu-Jitsu on the Jiu-Jitsu Breakdown with me and my co-host, Marty G. G Galinsky Steen. Anyway, uh, so that's coming up. Uh, housekeeping. And I'm sure, I'm sure since I've got you all uh, involved, I'm sure you want to know, much like when you give money to the starving kids in Africa or India, you know, I, want, I want to see how that little fucker's doing. In this instance, you want to see how this little fucker's doing. Uh, it's May 5th. Excuse me. We did a, a tally. They, it takes a few days for them to pay. I'm talking about people at Patreon. They're patreon.com slash the stomper. And uh, I'm going to share with you in a very frank way all the total donations. Um, the donations were down uh, for, May, for May or for April. Sorry. Um, accepting you, you all had your asses saved. By a cat, I don't. I, I, let, let's just get his his online initials are NT. I don't know that he wants to be uh, have his old shit all publicized. Guys had money problems, unemployed, but uh, said said to me, uh, I've been freeloading too long, and donated uh, uh, via Patreon a hundred dollars. Accepting him, except which brings us about on par with what what we what we usually get um accepting him this would have put april below march which has the trend lines going the wrong way now i know look i know those of you who are paying attention to the instagram feed the the twitter feed know that i found a, i was cleaning some shit out like my shit is always needing to be clean spring cleaning to a bunch of clothes to goodwill that I found some old Whipping Boy records, my uh, hardcore band, sold those all, all 10 of those, and uh, mailed them out. A couple people, three people still have those left because I ran out of cardboard for the mailers. have to pick up some more cardboard tonight or tomorrow for the mailers. Um, for those of you who donate to Patreon, I'm not bullshitting you. I actually have this. Look, it's at Best Buy, filed under Robinson E. Alternative. I don't know if you could read it or if it's backwards for you. It's backwards for me um so i have these i need your addresses some of you i've emailed about addresses you haven't got back to me some of you have got back to me and said i don't need the fucking addresses go fuck yourself um that's my doorbell actually that's my sensor to let me know when somebody's creeping up on me <laughs> yeah um so a um uh ooh, forgot what i was saying uh, it, 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 it doesn't matter. <laughs> Patreon.com donations down. Um, one guy donated. Well, oh, I'm gonna send the CDs out. I sent the, I sent the, uh, I sent the, the vinyl out. So, I, uh, some of you have said, Eugene, you don't have to, uh, send me shit. Uh, those of you who ordered, who got phone calls because you uh, donated at the ten dollar level, I don't know how the phone call is worth less than the T-shirt. Doesn't make any sense. But those are, I've been calling you back. Uh, MW, I got you. And uh, Mr. South Bend, I got you, called you. So I think if there's anybody else that uh, I owe a call to, I think uh, Dundero, I owe you a call. Uh, you got to remind me. because uh, And if, if I called you already, 
you have my number, just fucking text me and, and you'll get your call. So that's that's the tally. Uh, accepting we're on par for April, except but in general, the trend lines were down outside of NT's donation of $100. I can't say that NT is going to be there to save you from May. May is a long month, too. So um, do what you can. Um, do what you can. Uh, because I remember once getting into a big fight with this guy, Kevin Martins, who was in his band Bug and uh, used to st start Pathological Records. And I said, hey, man, I want some accounting. He put out Oxbow's first record, Fuckfest, uh, and actually his second record, King of the Jews. And I said, I want some accounting. And he refused to give me the accounting. I go, listen, let me explain something to you. When other bands ask you that, they want money. When we ask you that, money would be nice, but our primary interest is to see whether people like us or not. Because if the trend lines are going down, then we're not going to fucking tour. It doesn't make sense to load thousands of pounds of equipment in a, in a well, we used to sh ship it in a plane, go 6,000 miles and play shows with people, a dwindling number of people. Man, we look like our homes and our home styles and our home lifestyles. We don't need to go out there. But if the numbers are even slightly up, we'll see it come fall, right? Same thing with this show. Numbers are slightly up, keep going. The number trend lines are down. That's what happened with uh, the, uh, the Oxbow newsletter. It was hugely popular. But at one point I got, is it? Is it? It's like that black folktale where, where, the, where the slaves didn't have to work because the food was, they could eat clouds. The clouds were low enough, grab the clouds. And people started taking one bite, throwing it on the ground. The clouds said, hey, don't, I'm, we're glad to feed you, but don't squander us. We think it's disrespectful. Don't be a disrespectful prick. And so people ignored the clouds, and they kept eating and throwing the shit in the ground, wiping the clouds on their asses. And the clouds finally said, you know what? Fuck you. And as a, as a, purportedly, that's why clouds are so high up in the sky. It's a Julian. I forget the guy's last name. Julian, he wrote this book called uh, Black Folk Tales. It's a great book. Good book to read to your kids. I really enjoyed it. The one about the devil's daughter, especially. So you get shit for free. You, you, don't, you, you, you don't respect it. The numbers go down. I said, all right, you guys want the newsletter to go on? I want 100 people to tell me that. 100. They got to 97. And they said, surely, Eugene, you know, you're so close. How could you not the other three? I go, I'm looking at, I'm not the glass full guy, half full. No. I'm looking at this glass half, half empty. Not like, oh, you almost got there. I'm at, you look how close you got and yet failed. Yet failed. And so I, I, I ceased it. You're getting it for free. You don't respect it, man. So anyway, that's, that's enough. Uh, Commercial-wise, I would also accept buying the Stigmata CD from Revelation Records. How do I know if you've done that? Because Revelation Records comes to me and they reorder. You know, uh, what are you doing? What, what, what are you wearing? Let me see. <laughs> My wife came back from the gym in hot pants. <laughs> uh, so uh, so it, it, my, my attitude is uh, you could buy Stigmata CD, Revelation Records. They reorder for me. I'm sorry to go on for 10 minutes about cash. Somebody jokingly said, if we put together all the videos of you talking about cash, we would have a two-hour video. I'm not, I don't want to do that. And I don't really have to do that if you just do it. Patreon.com slash the stomper. I'm finished. All right. So at one point, let's talk about this friend of mine. 
this friend of mine who took a whole lot of LSD. A whole lot. In fact, even though LSD is a drug that you can't take every weekend, really, because the effect doesn't redouble, this friend of mine used to take LSD every weekend. Every weekend. He used to call it magical mystery touring after the Beatles song. Voila, a magical mystery tour. So every, every fucking weekend. And at first, it was like two drops. He had liquid LSD, right? And then it was like four and then six. Because, of course, if you're doing it every weekend, you have to increase the dosage to get any kind of bump. And that wasn't working. So then he switched to, to mushrooms and then he psilocybin and, and, and any, any psychedelic he could get his hands on. And he was like, you know, this is just part of a lifestyle. It's made me a better person. I'm seeing depth in things where I never expected to see depth before. This friend of mine. This friend of mine fundamentally became a changed person, a better person. Whereas before he looked at he looked at reality as, as, a, as a discrete series of events, he, then he started to see the unifying whole to it all. Much more contemplative, much smarter in a lot of ways. This friend of mine. This friend of mine decided that while there were certain things that you could do casually, uh, certain things you shouldn't do casually. So he backed off from taking it once a week. It doesn't matter, once a month, once a week. It was a regular part of his routine. In the same way that many of you get up with coffee, or, you know, wine tasting. And none of these microdoses that CEOs and, and Silicon Valley movers and shakers are doing now. No, he took mega doses as, as if, if there was a dose, it was mega. He was a large fellow, figured that low doses were for smaller people. So he took these and he took them and took them and took them. And he took them in different scenarios. He took them with one friend, two friends, took them with a group of people, took them alone. Took them with people who hadn't done it before. Took it with people he was having sex with, with people he used to have sex with. He took it in every permutation, iteration, variation he could find to discover new things along the way. At one point, he had taken it and was laying in his bed watching TV, and he had what in the industry they call a moment of clarity. And he was like, you know, I didn't really need to spend all this money, my friend said, on LSD and invest 18 hours of my time so I could power watch fucking TV. Well, let's see, what exciting things could you do on LSD? Well, you could go to Paris. He had done that. You could go to New York. He had done that. You could do it naked with sexy women. He had done that. You could do it with your dudes and drugs. You could, he, had, he had combined it with he could Every iteration, permutation he had done. Until he found himself staring, standing in a grove from which the mist had cleared and realized 
He was just a guy on a bed watching TV. There was no revelations. No, uh, n- no uh, uh, kicks in the eye. No Satori. No, no blast of consciousness. Nothing. Just mass-produced media pouring through his eye holes into his brain. And that's when my friend said, enough. You want something like LSD to be special? Something psychoactive and psychedelic? Something that can rearrange the molecules in your mind? Then don't do it while watching TV. You can watch TV without it. And if you watch TV without it, when you do it, it should be a rare and special occasion. Because what happens in here, if it's not rare and special, it's fucking mud. It doesn't have to be special to anybody else but you. So stop, my friend. I mentioned this to tell you, <laughs> which sounds like very much like the speech in uh, a Pulp Fiction, and I want to reach into my prison wallet right now and pull out a watch to show you. But uh, 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 <laughs> prison wallet, your anus. But I, I want to, I, I, I raise this point, my friend's story, to begin talking about UFC Auto. I'm sorry, where was I? About UFC Auto. Okay, UFC, well, you know what I'm talking about. Saturday's fight. Now, I got invited by James Painter to come to a seminar in Reno, which is why I'm fucked up and haven't shaved because I haven't combed my hair or uh, any of that stuff. James Painter, if you've read the, if you've read this book, Fight or Everything You Ever Want to Know About Asking, but afraid you get your asking for asking. If you had read this book, this is the audio CD, double CD of the book, you would have a chapter on prison fighters. That is a thing called rock and roll, or 52 blocks, a prison fighting style. I've talked about him before. And a guy named Mike Horlick in LA turned me on him and said, I think this guy could be legit. I wrote the guy, guy wrote me back, invited me up to watch. And you heard me talk about the slap, grab and roll. Guy's totally legit. They used to do this thing, it's online, Masters of the Mountain seminar. And he's he spun off one. He had one this one at his place in Washaw on the reservation. He's a Native American. And his fight style is is catch, catch wrestling. Well, he's got people coming over from all disciplines. Uh, 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 FMA, Filipino martial arts, uh, guys coming from Colorado. We had a guy, a uh, Lua fighter, Hawaiian fighter, who had a whole segment on knife fighting. Really great stuff. I've, I've got a bunch of knife fighting seminars. <laughs> Why wait till you need it to decide you need it? My eyes are all bruised up. They use uh, um, they use this step through with a knife that result, and then the guy brings it back and cuts your eyes. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Well, you know, he, uh, you know, but no, it hurt, and the knife cut my eyes. <laughs> it's not a sharpened knife. But it's it's got a, it's got a blade, but an unsharpened blade. But it's still a hunk of metal. And then they also do healing. And the uh, uh, one of the, the, the three hundred and thirty pound former MMA fighters 
black belt in Brazilian, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which he, they call Painter Jiu-Jitsu, but also an, an adherent of his uncle, James Painter's, uh, is a super killer, unorthodox, comes into a room with a cleaver, was laid down on the mat. I'm like, oh, bro, I'm not lucky in the looks of this. I'm not letting any 320 pounds. And I told myself I wouldn't do it, but I did. He gave me a massage with a cleaver. And if you think I'm talking about the handle of the cleaver or the dull side of the cleaver, you're 100% fucking wrong. He used the sharp side of the cleaver. And he goes, part of this massage is about opening up your meridians or some such thing. I made up the meridians part. I don't know that's what he said. But he said it's about trust and relaxation. You don't trust me and you don't relax, you're going to get fucking hurt. With that being said, relax. The guy did some body work on both me and the wife for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes apiece. Both of our aches and pains are gone. Magical. Lives outside of Sacramento, but he drove up to his uncle's place in, in Reno. So this is where I was. I was in a room with a bunch of fighters. They said, hey, is there a fight tonight? And I said, yes, there is. There's UFC. I was, UFC Ottawa, and they're like, oh, and we got it going, and within 30 seconds, everybody was like, hey, um, could you get me some of that pasta? Yeah, I got some water. Nobody was interested, man. Nobody. Nobody. So I'm like, hard, you know, I'm hanging out with people I like. I want to talk. Hard press. And we had to drive back, five-hour drive back. Got back late, went to sleep, said I'll watch the fights in the morning, and did so. Now, the thing is, uh, oh, <laughs> ah, I got some texts from people who were at, actually at the fight. Um, so we'll, we'll read them in a second. So um, I watched the fights uh, this morning. Unless you think I watched the whole fight card, don't get nuts. I watched the three fights on the card that I cared about. Brunson and Theodora. Uh, uh, fucking, um, oh, this is great. Ayakinta and Cerrone and, uh, oh, what was the other fight? Oh, uh, Cub Swanson and Shane Burgos. Now, if you add those fights up and you watch or pay attention, you know that I was, I was under 500 and therefore on the losing side. Brunson being the only pick of mine that won, but it doesn't matter because the overriding, what, what Brunson and Theodora did is made me thankful that I didn't watch the whole card. Brunson and Theodora put me on, on, that, on, that, on my friend's bed after three or four years of solid LSD usage, watching TV, realizing I got to stop. That's what Theodora and Brunson did to me. You know, we just recorded the Care Don't Care preview, and Steph was, you know, I didn't really like stomping on her moment. He was like, ah, I beat you guys. Ah, I got more right than you. Ah. And I was like, what, is, what are you right about? What are you happy being right about? These were mockeries of a travesty, of a sham, and you should be ashamed of yourself for being happy about it. Because the inevitable, listen, We've talked about, okay, the, the pressure has been removed from the UFSI. The pressure has been removed from the UFSI. They no longer feel the bite of having to make every card pay because of it. 
but it doesn't make a difference. The growth delta that makes a difference is more people versus less people. SP Susie on on Twitter is like, yeah, but you still need to, you know, you still need to get cheese for them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You still need to, you still need to have more people versus less people, but you don't have to, you could be non-specific about it. They could be casual. Maybe there's some time limit. Like if they watch, they get registered after they watch 15 minutes or 20 minutes, so they don't have to watch the whole fight. Who knows how they count? I don't. But, you know, it's like the old joke about the, you know, uh, the camel in the bar. What are you staring at? Well, we don't get a lot of camels in here. And prices, I'm not surprised. But I'm boom, you're here all week, folks. So, I, you know, um, I really don't know what to tell you. I really don't know what to tell you. I mean, you know, I, I know some of you in the comments, not on the show stomper comments, but some of you on the care, don't care uh, comments are like, man, you guys are nattering nabobs of negativity. You're ruining the sport for me in every conceivable, in every conceivable way. Your lack of enthusiasm, why do you even bother doing these shows? These shows are a measure of casual enthusiasm. For example, the Indian fight, there was an Indian fighter on the card. He was a don't care for me. However, at an editorial meeting on Thursday, I discover that uh, the guy who runs our, our, our New Delhi, um, or is it Mumbai, uh, our, our division, he's running an article in Ozzy on the, the burgeoning, upcoming, uprising, fast-moving MMA scene in India. So this was of interest to me, had I known prior to. Glad to see Ozzy's on it fast, trying to get ahead of the curve again. That's cool. Enough to care? Maybe. But you understand there's an accretion. This shit all rolls into itself. By which I mean, my enthusiasm for next week's show, It should you should know I'm going to tip the hand because even though this show comes on tonight, on Sunday night, and now Steph has moved, care, don't care, to Monday, you know, many of you won't get to it anyway, so I'll just say, I had three cares on the card for next weekend. And I had three cares on the card for this past show. That's two big fights purportedly. Now, Jose Aldo is a big deal. Uh, uh, Cannoneer against Andre uh, Anderson Silva, big deal. Can't remember on the face of it now. Oh, uh, uh, Diego, uh, Diego Alves against some can, tomato can. Semi-big deal, but I picked it. Three. Two and a half, if you consider that the only reason I was there was for Thiago. That's half a month with six fights I cared about out of 30. You tell me. Now, you know, you say if you follow me on Twitter, you see that I put a few of those Bellator and John Nash on the show today was trying to talk about Bellator. My ass is still is still is still chafed and smarting. Sorry about the my nose is itching. Maybe I don't know. Well, well, Eugene, well, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you pissed off? You know, the Rory McDonald fucking kayfabe. No, sorry. I'm going to punish you guys for that for at least another month. Sorry. Yeah, some guys did amazing shit. John Nash was talking about. Yeah, that's okay. Good for you. GFY, bro. Or go fuck yourself. Good for you. Go fuck yourself. Either one. 
So I don't want to be a nattering nabob of negativity, but you can't, you know, there's a point at which you got to, like Kenny, Kenny uh, Rogers said, know when to hold it and know when to fold it. Did I actually go, could somebody tweet me actually and let me know if I, did I go into, into I did, I know I did, I just, I see it here. I went into depth on the, on the load ratio. Uh, yeah, here's the comment. Uh, well, I don't know if he minds me using the screen. Macho Jesus says, UFC Ottawa. Sorry. UFC Ottawa. Is right. He says, fuck, that was bad. Walt Harris TKO provided a great minute of entertainment. Minute. Minute. Main event was awesome. Yep, I haven't got to that yet. I'd say it qualified as a beating. I was sitting in the first row of the 300 level. Highlight of the six hours. Now, dude, fucking in Ottawa, six hours. And that doesn't include getting there and paying for the ticket. How much time you had to put in the paying for the ticket. Highlight of the six hours was witnessing a drunk chick knock a full beer onto the people in the 200 level. Period. Initial cap S suckers. I, I, I really, I really don't, I don't, um, I, I don't know what to tell you. That's not right. If we go back to the my my indication of the load ratio next week, where I figured out that that it was a woman I spent seven eight months with, four hundred and fifty hours for a single fucking orgasm. That is a jacked up ratio. Cannot stand. Six fights in in, in uh, 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 a half uh, a half a biweekly total of six fights. In a month that has had 60, it is not enough to justify me sticking around. As a young man, yes. Oh, like, why, why don't we put it this way? Why don't we ask Macho Jesus how he feels about the six hours plus how much he had to work to pay for the tickets, riding there, paying for parking. Ask him if he felt like that was worthwhile. And more significantly, ask him if he'll do it again. And I guarantee you, Unless he's listening to the show, he could he could tweet. I mean, listen to it live, of course. Um, I guarantee you, he might say something along the lines of, "Well, that depends." If your business model is based on that depends, you're in trouble. Like I'm in trouble. You ask your friends, "Hey, you ever watch that guy Eugene S. Robinson show Stomper?" Like I told you, and yeah, I watched it once. It was as a man, you know. Well, you should watch it again. Ah, that depends. My business model is in fucking trouble if that depends. Because you know what? In the next two weeks, in the next two weeks, guaranteed, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I will buy something via Amazon. Why? Because I can buy my hair care products in Amazon. I can buy the creams that I use to protect my skin from uh, uh, mal- uh, malassezia fur fur also known as uh, Tennessee uh, Versicolor, uh, a common skin disease that you get when you're a grappler from having sweaty clothing held to your body for too long. It's minor league fungal, seems like eczema, you, but it, it, um, I don't have it anymore. So you don't visit, it, but I got to, it ends up, these are scratches, but it ends up looking like scratches. Beyond, I'm not saying that depends. I need it. And presuming I want to keep my hair like this, I got it. Well, not like this, but you know when I fix it up, hair care products. 
I'm going to do that. I'm looking forward to doing it. But right now, next weekend, with three fights that I can easily watch the next morning on ESPN Plus or some other place. For those of you just listening, I raised my eyebrows for some other place. You know, and so during the week, I can read about uh, somebody can tweet me the thing about uh, McNuggets doing the karaoke thing, an old thing he did with that uh, unfunny guy. Who was that kid? Fallon. Falloon. Trying to pass himself off as Irish. Get the fuck out of here. You know what? I'm not buying that, bro. But whatever. Yeah, me too. I'm Irish too. Actually, I could be rocking the French thing. I got uh, uh, my great, great grandmother. Her father was French. And so we're going back to like 1880 sometime. Perrineau was the last name. Uh, they looked Cajun. And no, he was not a slave owner, wise asses. So, uh, but anyway, so th- th- that's the deal. Your business model now depends on, it depends. And they announced the Stipe DC thing and, and on the on the heels of uh, Brock Lesnar not being able to, uh, not being Choosing not to uh, fight in MMA again. With the pricing structure changing, they didn't give him points on it. He said, flat fee. He goes, fine, okay. My flat fee would have me getting what was commensurate on points before. I fought this many times. You can see the percentage. We know what I bring to the table. Bring that back to me. And the UFC apparently said, nope. Because they can do that now. McNuggets goes, I'm retiring. Okay. I think of Bismarck Key when I think of that attitude. I call it the vapors. Damn, it feels good to see people up on it. Woman dumps me on a, on a Thursday. And I say, I'm not one of those guys who could do a lot of back and forth, mind you. That wasn't exactly true, but in this instance, it was going to be true. Because we were playing a game of chicken. Well, I don't play games of chicken. Anybody, anywhere, anytime in my life has learned, do not play a game of chicken with Eugene. He will destroy you both. Doesn't make any sense. Only time that worked out badly for me is when we were having a stair jumping contest. One guy gets up two stairs, jumps down. One guy, four stairs, jumps down. One guy, I goes, fuck that. I can jump the whole stair. It's like cool hand Luke. I could eat 50 eggs. And people from the entire neighborhood came and watched me. And I stood on the top stair of a porch on Rutland Road in Brooklyn, Flatbush. And like a long jumper, I fucking stood on and I leaped into the air. And I realized what kind of peril I was in halfway down. Which is to say, if I didn't clear the stairs, I was going to land on a subsequent stair and then probably break my ankle. Pulled my knees up tight and cleared it, which is when the real misery began because I hit the ground, not on my knees, on a squat after having jumped down like 20 stairs. I won. Never play this game with me. Couldn't walk, but I won. Never play fucking chicken with me. 
He fucking dumped me and then the church called me Tuesday. Ah, well, you were right. The priest tried to have sex with me. Her priest advised her to dump me. He tried to have sex. Yeah, I knew it. Well, I was I thinking we could get back. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. I'll fucking play games with you. That's when I started being hep to the ratio. And I'm going, I'm growing increasingly hep to the ratio in regards to the oofsie. In regards to the fucking oofsie, I've gotten particularly sensitive about the ratio. Situationists talked about prison, a work being a prison of measured time, and they go on to say the things that you give away in order to work are never returned. Or to go back to my friend's LSD story, laying on the bed with a head full of LSD, watching TV is a bad use of everybody's time. Name one person who's been especially productive and has been a drug user. Sorry, it fucks with your productivity. As much as you might like it, fine, fucks with your productivity. I can't think of one. I know uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat, pretty creative, junkie, and he's dead, so he's no longer very productive. I know William Burroughs, long junkie. How many books did he write? Two? Junkie and Naked Lunch of note. The, um, the Yage letters don't count. All that half-assed kind of art conceptual stuff doesn't really count. Wrote on it after that, the drugstore cowboy. It's Cinco de Mayo, and I live in a Latino neighborhood, so excuse the music. Cinco de Mayo, I don't know, man. It's got something to do with Mexicans who can't swim. I guess sinking the, the Maya, I don't, I don't know. My Spanish ain't so good. I'm here a week, folks. It's jokes, comedy. So anyway, so um, you're really going to have to check that ratio. Because it, you know, they talk about the year coming in like a lamb and leaving like a lion, or coming like a lion and leaving like a lamb, or if you like the John Belushi thing, coming in like an emu and leaving like a cassowary, a chupacabra coming in and leaving as a moth, or a school bus full of kids. You know, John Belushi is very funny, one of my favorite. But it will it will happen whimperingly, like whimperingly, is how it will happen. Not a big bang, just a whimper, just a whimper. Suddenly, you'll notice it's been three weeks and maybe you've gotten a sure dog a couple of times and bloody elbow a couple of times, you read it and you're just like, I got other shit to do. Maybe somebody mentions a fighter's name to you and you kind of go, oh, man, he's won like three in a row. Well, who? And suddenly you don't know the fighters. You know, I've been involved in scenes that were so enveloping that you never thought a tomorrow would come. I remember hanging out in the Lower East Side, you know, uh, down at the at the Red Bar or at the Steps, St. Mark's, 1981, and never being able to see that this would ever end. Some of the fucking punk rock, cat, punk rock cats were like in bands that were doing really well. Some had gone into design, some were filmmaking. It was an incredible burst of creativity. Dig Wayne, used to be called Buzz Wayne, left to go to London, started his band, the Joe Boxers, 
it was all all the hardcore lower lower east side scene east village scene it was just it was this problem it just it it was so aggressive it obliterated the promise of tomorrow but tomorrow always comes always and tomorrow found a bosquiat dead it found an andy warhol dead it found you know uh johnny thunders dead it found their survivors in the group david johansson as as buster poindexter is still performing at the carlisle hotel where bobby short used to hold great great gig don't give a fuck what you say love david johansson but every tomorrow comes and like the line says in apocalypse now someday this war will be over none of us are going to be lifelong mma fans You know, if my grandfather were alive, I'm sure he would still be into boxing. But he got hit by a train and died. He didn't die right away. He lived for quite a while after he got hit by a train, but complications of getting hit by the train. Why did he get hit by a train? You know, if this was somebody else, Eugene, you'd be making fun of him. Yeah, well, I sort of make fun of my grandfather, too. It's not like a train's going to hit me where I'm sitting right now. In fact, you could move four feet on either side of those train tracks. And you're not getting hit by a train, but it was his birthday, and he liked the drink. We're not blood-related. He was my great-grandmother's third husband. I loved him, but he got hit by a train. He's the one who introduced me to boxing. He's a boxing fan. He may be a boxing fan today. I don't know, but what does it mean to be a fan? What does it mean to be a fan? I consider myself a fan of bodybuilding because I've bodybuilded for a long time. And I, the heyday, the golden era of bodybuilding, I can go down from Lee Haney to Franco Colombo to Mike Menser. I can name all. Still consider myself a fan of bodybuilding. Don't know who won Mr. Olympia last year. Don't know who won it the year before. I couldn't even name the top five bodybuilders for you. Still consider myself a fan, but bodybuilding is making no money off me today. None. It could happen. In fact, it's built into their business model, an expectation that will happen. So then eye on the prize, and the growth delta is newbies. And where are they coming from, and why are they coming? For six hours in uh, row 300 at the Ottawa Pavilion Center, whatever the fuck it was called, to watch that? No. And I don't want to talk about the sadness of Cub Swanson. I love this guy, but clearly he doesn't want to fight anymore. Now he fought a game fight. I'm not talking about that. It's not like he didn't, he didn't fight like he he want he, he. I'm not saying he fought like he doesn't want to fight anymore. He just looked like he didn't want to be in there fighting. There's a difference, a small difference, but a difference. Derek Brunson and Elias Theodora, forget about it. Donald Cerrone and Ayala Quinta. Now that was the shit. That was the shit. That was the grit that makes it worth coming back for. And I picked Ayala Quinta because I have to. No, I have to because I want to. I needed to. Regional pride, and despite my coming down heavy on on Chris Woodpile Wideman, the Gallider General of the Lost Battalion, I generally like Maddie Sarah. My run-ins with him have been amusing. We have friends in common, Longo. 
But uh, so I picked uh, I Iquinta, raging out, like his attitude, the whole New York thing makes me homesick. Cerrone beat the beat the wheels off of him after a third a third round adjustment. Well worth it. Well worth it. It's an incredible. It, that's the kind of shit you dig down deep for. Or rather, that's the kind of shit that would earn you fans, but six hours to get to that? Six hours to get to that? Six hours to get to that, and by Wednesday, it will be forgotten. I will ask you on Wednesday, hey, remember in the third round, and you'll go, oh, yeah, ooh. Yeah, I don't really recall. And uh, Cerrone did something interesting. He did a couple of interesting things. He said, first off, he was like, before the fight, he was like, I don't think we can really count on the McNuggets thing happening. And then later he was talking about kind of what, what Steph and John Nash said was that um, really what he's saying is that if you're sitting around and you're a fighter in that division and you're hoping for a red panty night, you're not going to get a red panty night. There are no more red panty nights, in other words, for McNuggets or for anybody else, really. But he did call him out afterward because why not? But I, I said, like I just said on, on the Care Don't Care, I think McNuggets is a non-factor unless you're an anus. And then you got to watch yourself around them. But generally, he's a non-factor at this point in time, which he's realized. It's got to be rough. It's got to be rough. Like those American businessmen who went over to Nazi Germany. People think of Nazi Germany as some place or thing that happened in the fucking movies. It's not the case. Germany is a country. And Nazi Germany was a ruling power in that country for 12 years. People could go to that country and visit that country. At least, during, at least prior to the war. And foolishly, you had dutiful Americans who were going over and trying to do business and normalizing the, you know, Nazi regime. And there's a great book by a woman who was a daughter of a, of a diplomat. And uh, she went over and had a great time. And she was talking about it. She's like, oh, you know, it was a wonderful time. Berlin was fantastic. The parties, the people, it was just a bright and shining time. And one day I was standing on the street and I, there was a big parade. I was like, what is it? My German wasn't good enough to understand it. What was it happening on the parade? And then finally they were driving these two people in front of them and beating them and laughing and laughing and beating. And he, she said to her German, but what happened? And he laughed. He goes, oh, they are Jews. <laughs> and she was like, but why are they being treated like this? Oh, they've done something. It's very funny. And he laughed. And laughed. Yet the cats always laugh. Mice don't laugh. And so you had these American businessmen who went over from New York, who were Jews. And some of these cats actually didn't make it back. And then they realized the awful geometry of it all, which was that the U.S. government is not going to declare a war because of one Jew, Jewish man, businessman war less. Otto Warmbier was killed in North Korea, and we still negotiate with him. U.S. Constitution is pretty powerful. Don't you stay in the U.S.? But if you think that they're going to go to war for you, you really need to have to ask yourself, how much does the U.S. weigh? How much does it weigh? 
And if you've paid attention, you've noticed that we've segued right to politics. Don't think this show happens off the cuff. There's no planning. It happens quite purposefully. My point to, to, to tie this off is everything changes. Everything. Fight fans of tomorrow may not be the fight fans of yesterday, but tomorrow is inexorable. It's coming no matter what. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in large amounts of physical pain. Now, maybe, hey, man, you, maybe it's because you let a guy hit you with a cleaver for about 30 minutes yesterday. Well, no, that's not it. Hey, Kasha, could you send me some of those cleaver photos? She took the photos because naturally I was being hit with a cleaver. I want to show you one before. I'm going to tweet them out later. You'll get a, you get a chance to see them if you follow me at Eugene S. Robinson on, on the Twitter thing. Um, is she going to send it to me now so I can hold one up on the screen? No, I don't want the video now. I just I want the photos so I can show them. So anyway, we have segued into the pol pol politics section for a very specific reason. Because I, I can't talk about it on, the, on if the shoes fit or if I did it uh, with the innate inter, inter, interrupting me every two seconds. But my Trump guy, who's also the guy that I do uh, the JJB with, Marty G, um, has, uh, thank you, has, has this idea as to why he's a Trump guy. And the reason he claims that he's a Trump guy, because what he sees, and largely... A largely kind of slightly a, a viewpoint. Okay, here we go. Let me show you. Thank you. Let me show you if I can show you the picture of me getting hit with a cleaver. Yeah, I can't show that. The video won't show that e easily here, but I'll put it up. Uh, there we go. There's the, the 320 pound Native American with a meat cleaver about to start working on me who's laying face down on the mat. Yeah, and yet, if you notice, he's standing on me as well. So at that point where you got a 320-pound guy standing on you and about to meat cleaver you, you know, you almost welcome the meat cleaving just to get him off of you. But I have to tell you, physically, I feel good as a result of it. Let me see if I can show you some other with uh... – <laughs> yeah, <you're... laughs> lest you think that I'm lying uh, about – him using the sharp end. Oh, here, here's a nice one. You can get the. Can you see this? It's not a happy Eugene Robinson, but he knows what he's doing. I got video of it as well. I'll, I'll try to maybe put that up instead of the images. So ah, my nose is itchy. Ah, so my point is, my point is. That um, yeah, MMA could be dying in front of our eyes. We'd be the last to know because suddenly we'll find ourselves in a new tomorrow. But in regards to Marty G, he says, listen, Trump is the anti-machine guy. He goes, you of all people, I'm surprised you haven't seen this. You may not like the guy for any dozens of reasons, but you have to realize that at least a goodly portion of those reasons are based on the fact that the machine is out to get him. What do you mean the machine is out to get him? The machine is out to get him. I said, well, I don't like the guy because he's a fucking racist. He goes, well, what a name of the racist thinks he's done? He goes, he kept my family from moving into his apartments in the 70s. He's like, okay. He's still pushing for these the Central Park Five to be fucking in jail 
where DNA evidence has exonerated and they were beaten up by New York cops and forced to confess as teenagers. He says, ah, well, he goes, the reality of this, he enjoys, he enjoys Trump in macro. Right? Imagine if Warren Buffett had, and I'm kind of positing what he's saying. Imagine if Warren Buffett had the temperament. I've said this for a long time. If you go back to old Knuckle Up, that wealth, wealth suborns democracy. If you have $21 billion in the bank, what do you give a fuck? What do you think your morning is like when you wake up and you've got $21 billion in the bank? And I, let me tell you something. If you have $21 billion in the bank, the people you count as friends are a very different set of people. There are other people with 21, 71, 51 billion dollars in the bank. And you guys talk about very different things. And your understandings of nation states is immaterial. Right now, I'm thinking, huh, I wonder if I could establish residency in Nevada so I don't have to pay California state income tax. And how often would I be there and how do they check? Yeah, okay, 21 billion dollars. I'm looking at, maybe, you know, the chaos in Venezuela. You know, it's an ill wind. It doesn't blow somebody some good. I could go down there and invest and save haven for my cash. And nation states mean nothing to you. And now imagine you had the yen to run for political office. In other words, what he's saying is the kayfabe of the racism. Yeah, well, whatever. That this is a guy unhinged from the system who fundamentally wants to destroy the machine. And I said, well, what about this? I'm going to counter with this. I'm going to counter with this, that I see the machine finds him to be a useful idiot. It's a useful idiot argument, right? And you cut the corporate tax to 22 to 20%. You deal with the tariffs. You reframe some of these trade deals. And what we're seeing is companies hiring like crazy. Why? Uh, because they were allowed. They don't want to have to shelter their cash off. A, a, a lefty corporation like Apple can suddenly bring all their money back in. And they'll throw some sops or hire some more people, some junior level people. I know the sure is fucking not hiring senior level people. People. The question is, does Donald Trump weigh more than the machine? And he, he somehow sees Donald Trump as like a people's hero who because of his wealth, is in a position to not give a fuck about what the machine does or wants, but he wants what any casino owner wants, this is me speaking now, to have the tables all open. And the people he most likes to have, he most, he most likes to have at the table are billionaires, corporate heads. At the same time, he's convinced the rusty pickup truck crew that he's their pal. Because he's sticking it in these guys' eyes. Well, whose eyes are he sticking it in? Oh, oh, the mid-level management guys that we call government are having thumbs stuck in their eyes. Government's a minor annoyance. It's like going camping and encountering mosquitoes. That's government. He's gone over the heads of government and said to the corporate military and industrial complex, do what thou wilt shall be all of the law. And the second that there's a divergence between what he wants and what they want, they want, and they want, my prediction is that uh, 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 the Donald will discover very quickly 
that he does not weigh more than the machine. My Trump guy thinks that he's a white knight of some kind who will pull a sword from a stone and will vanquish the machine, to which I got to disagree. Why? Because nobody beats the house, baby. <laughs> I mean, this is why my friends who are Satanists, I, I always, it blows my mind. It's like, okay, if you're a doctrinal Satanist, in other words, you can't know anything about Satan minus subtracted, separated from a Christian biblical context. You know, he loses and never says there's an opportunity. Yes, there's a war, and in war there's a winner and a loser. Yeah, and I and I have had Satanists say to me, well, you know, consider the source. Consider who's writing. And I have to, to a certain extent, agree. I mean, I think can't think of, of a great uh, a art that's great art that's been created separate from tragedy. Or, or another way to put it is Orson Welles' speech uh, about all the peace that they've had in Switzerland and it resulting in the cuckoo clock. Nothing, well, there's fondue, there's cheese, and knives, watches. What about that great Swiss music? Or that great Swiss stand-up comedian? Sorry to come down on Switzerland, but you realize Switzerland banned us for a bunch of years, so I got bad attitudes about Switzerland. I've had fun there, but I also have a bad attitude about Switzerland. So my point is that we're actually in an interesting, some historian said the other day that American political life is lived bouncing from guardrail to guardrail. I like that he used the car analogy because I've used it plenty of time on the show about all of us sitting in the backseat of a car that's not being driven by anybody. But my prediction, much like in Apocalypse Now, where he said, listen, you know, you only spend some of your time thinking about Charlie. And Charlie, as he's squatting, squatting the bushes, eating rat meat, is spending all of his time thinking about you. To which I have to say in my useful idiot theory, that Donald needs to realize he only he only spends part of his time thinking about the machine. But the machine spends all of its time thinking about him. The machine is a collective organism. With every fraudster and grifter on Wall Street part of that machinery. Same people, the same multi-millionaires who own the news organs in this country. And you think Trump is your guy? Is a possibility that because the Trump the machine wants you to think that the, the ability to him for him to really represent a rebellion will be played out over the course of time. Future events as yet unknown. But in Marty G's scenario, this guy is either pulling the deftest political act, high wire act ever, or in my scenario, is like an Elmer Fudd-esque character will eventually realize that the ground he was running on is now air over a canyon. These are two perfect, you know, don't get caught up in this internet reality. Oh, you're wrong, I'm right, I'm right, you're wrong. You just wanna say, it's not about that kind of squabbling. If you know 
if you listen to the show at all, you know it's about peeking around that curtain. I just want to be in on the know. I got no dog in this hunt. I can say this. Under every Republican administration, I have suffered financially. H.W. Bush, two of Reagan, two of George W. Bush, and under every Democratic administration, I have done well. Eight years of Clinton, eight years of Obama. I understand it's not that way for everybody. I'm just talking about personally. And I have to say, let me finish. I have to say, two years of Trump, I'm not totally sucking shit. I don't like the tone and the timbre, the guy's argument. I don't like his style. I don't like that. I keep waiting. I keep waiting for some guy like the Eddie Murphy. Watch the Eddie Murphy skit about when Italian, Italian guys go to see Rocky. I keep waiting for some MAGA guy to feel like this is America and do something like calling the cop shit. I got stopped by a cop speeding on the way to uh, Reno for this uh, seminar. And the guy says, you know how fast you're going? I go, yep. And he goes, how fast? I was like, well, it was about 90. He goes, well, why are you? I go, I got a seminar. Start at noon. I got to get there to Reno. And he was like, okay. And you could see him thinking about it. Goes back to the car, come, writes up the ticket. He said, I, I got to give you the citation. Got it. I said, yeah, you got you to do what you got to do. And he goes, but I'm only going to mark you five miles over the speed limit, which was, I believe, 65. Let me down for 70 which I think might save me from having to go to traffic school and might not put points on my license and might not result in my insurance being erased. That was damn fucking decent of that guy. So this is not about the internet game that, oh, I got you, yo, you lefty, you lefty friend, you commie, you better. I'm, I'm fucking not doing that shit. That shit is so fucking played out and so fucking lame and stupid. God damn it, I fucking hate it. You read through... You wake up in the morning. Don't do this. Don't even look at your Facebook before fucking 10 or 11 or noon. Pick a designated time because you can't wake up to that shit. I was at the laundromat today and somebody, oh, yeah, look at this clipper. Oh, look at they called the cops. Man, somewhere there are people living real life. Hashtag LOL. Fuck that. Sorry, not sorry. Fight me. Change my mind. We don't care. Because none of that stuff is happening. If you peek around the curtain, none of it's happening behind the curtain. Anyway, anyway, that's the end of my political proviso, my LSD talk, and UFC auto. UFC auto. Okay, the show is done. I got to get cleaned up, go to the movies, wipe. I'm going to put up the JJB in fight, the jujitsu breakdown, the Ben Askren. Uh, Asikrin and Jordan Burroughs thing. I'm going to put it up right now, right after I put this show uh, live. So thank you for listening. Remember all the stuff I said at the beginning about patreon.com slash the stomper. Uh, June will put up the video stuff. If you want to go to MMA Puncholes, it's there. And she also puts it up on the uh, on the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper Facebook page. Put it up there. Uh, notify yourself. Get the notification uh, on YouTube. So you, anything that we put up on the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper channel, you can see. And uh, we'll see you Tuesday night at 7.20 for If I Did It. And then if the shoes fit, immediately following it. Like I said, Steph is going to go live with the Care Don't Care, which has got her, me, and John Nash. 
for uh, Monday. And I got a couple articles on Ozzy this week. If you follow me on Twitter at, at symbol Eugene S. Robinson, you'll be able to see it. And that is the end of the show. Look what you made me do!